What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Knife Talk is sponsored by Even Heat, the manufacturers of the finest heat-treating ovens available. Find your next oven at evenheat-kiln.com. To the chopper! Welcome to Knife Talk. This is a podcast for knife makers, knife enthusiasts, bladesmiths, blacksmiths, you know, we're keeping you company. My name's Jeff Fader from Fader Knives, and normally I'm with Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives and Mareko Momasi of Momasi Fire Arts, but not today. This is Knife Talk Single Track. That means it's just me, no guests. It's just me talking to a microphone. Because, ladies and germs, Starting off, not, not a great way to start off, but things are weird in this world. Things are, it's been a strange couple of weeks. I know globally, some of our listeners are from not just the United States and Europe, from all over the place. It's been a little hectic, and I really wanted to come on here. I was actually, some of you may or may not know, I love radio. I love radio, and I listen to Howard Stern. I love him. I got Sirius XM. I've been listening to him for a while. He broadcasts Monday through Wednesday. And Monday through Wednesday, I always enjoy hearing his live shows. Wednesday comes around, and no Howard. And it was like, it was kind of like a kick in the stomach because I was like, all right, well, you know, they took off because of coronavirus and talk of coronavirus and COVID-19 and all that. And it kind of bummed me out. And I thought, well, I need a distraction. I need a distraction. And I'm sure the listeners of Knife Talk need a distraction too. So I thought, I called Craig up and I said, I texted him and I said, I'm going to do a couple single tracks and make sure that our listeners are know that we're there for them. So I thought about it and I thought about it and I just wanted to kind of make sure we might have some extras per week. We might have some backups. I want to make sure that we're all squared away and know that you, the listener, you need to have you need to have a little distraction. This I'm not going to talk about the politics of this. I'm not going to talk about world leaders. I'm not going to talk about the governments. I'm not going to talk about any of that. 
because as you know, I probably, as I, as I know, I know, I don't talk about politics. I don't talk about my politics. I don't, because I don't want to hear about your politics. I cannot tell you how annoying it is when somebody says to me, well, you know what the problem is and you, people like you and people like this and this guy's this and this guy's that. That is the origin of leave me alone. Leave me alone. And I leave me alone. I'm with you. I'm with you is my way of saying leave me alone, the most polite way possible. And it's because I just, when I see your memes of you know, your political memes and everything's explained in this snarky joke and all these complex problems summed up in these nonsensical ways. I t- it's just, it's enough. It's totally enough. So I, I don't tell you my politics because God damn it, I don't want to hear yours. And with that said, that is the key. I'm with you, meaning leave me alone, is the key to something that we're all starting to practice globally, which is called social distancing. Social distancing. That's a something that we're having to deal with and fine. But I just want you to know I am very well equipped at social di- distancing. I love social distancing. I'm all alone. I love it. I've been since I was since 96 when I had my first studio. I didn't have anybody. It was great. I'd leave my girlfriend, who was my wife at the time, go to the shop, listen to the radio, do my thing by myself and my company was the radio and I was thrilled. So I I can tell you this. Social distancing, I'm fucking good at it. I don't like to talk about being an expert at anything. I'm not an expert on viruses. I'm not an expert on contagious things. My wife is an epi- has a masters in epidemiology and that's her division. But I don't pretend to be an expert on anything on this podcast. I don't even pretend to be an expert on anything. When you guys send your questions in, I kind of look at them. I think, all right, we can answer that one. Uh, Mareko can answer that one. Craig can answer that one. I, I can't answer any of these. So I, I hedge my bets and I tell you, if I don't know something, I say I have no idea. I don't know. No, sometimes I don't even care. There you are. So when it comes to being an expert, I will not be an expert on... I'm not going to tell you, you shouldn't panic. I'm going to tell you now you shouldn't panic, but I'm not going to tell you this is how the difference between a flu virus and a coronavirus. I'm not going to tell you any of that because I, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want to know that you've said to someone that you've talked to, do you know who had the answer for this? Jeff Fader. He told me the whole story. I don't want that in my, I don't need that in my life. I, you, you shouldn't be listening to me on this situation, but when it comes to social distancing, that I could teach a class. I could teach a master class. I could teach, except for the fact that the true master class of social distancing is to not to have a class because I don't want you my, because that would be the banana tailpipe. That's the trick. You can't, it would have to be virtually. It'd have to be over the phone. It'd have to be on a podcast. I, you can't teach a, a, a public distancing class in person. It doesn't work. The whole point of social distancing. If the, if the ABS taught a master smith division or had a master smith division on social distancing i'm going to be one of the judges because i don't fucking want to see any of you to the point where totally used to it i'm very fortunate enough i have my own shop i don't have any employees there have been employees in the past we're holding off thank god because now i have reason social distancing can i come work for you social distancing i actually had a i had a call from my buddy cliff dufton talked about him a lot 
CJ Dufton on Instagram, one of my close, close friends. He sent me a message saying that his school, his place of work, is closed for two weeks. Do I have any, am I busy? No. You can't come up. That's what I said. I said, no, I can't come up. Sorry, man. And he goes, well, you know, well, you, uh, no, 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 no. Social distancing. Can't, can't do it. So Cliff, if you, this, you're hearing this, I, you know, we talked on the phone and that's good enough. Right? Right? So well, there we are. We got coronavirus going on. We have uh, COVID-19, pa- global pandemic. Fine. Some of you are saying, don't worry about it. It's, it's, it's just the flu or it's just the sick. Look, this is something we're dealing with. And here's what I want to say. I'm here for you. We're going to do the podcast. I'm going to do this thing. We're going to have a little fun. I'm going to tell a couple stories. I'm trying to keep it light. I'm going to try to keep it light because I got a feeling that it's going to get grim on the next podcast. Just got a feeling. Hey, you know, these it happens. Whatever. I don't know. So let's just keep on the ball and, you know, not go crazy. You know, not go crazy. I'm hearing all these stories of people hoarding toilet paper. We're going to talk about that later. I have a little pro tip on toilet paper. Fine. You know, I don't know why everyone's going so crazy about it. I mean, you're having a dump in your bathroom at home next to the shower. So maybe use the water. Just seems like just seems like a natural progression. Seems like most countries don't even use toilet paper. They have bidets or faucets or buckets of water and why should we have panic attacks about you know, toilet paper? But that's neither here nor there. And I actually have a pro tip down the line of this episode to show you what you can do in this sense of this toilet paper situation. Fine. So what are, what have, what's been going on? Well, a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned that uh, my old boss, Charlie Palmer, Chef Charlie Palmer of the Charlie Palmer Group, he's famous American chef, one of the pioneers of modern American cuisine. He, he's his, his flagship restaurant is called Oriole. That's where I worked, and that's where I met my business partner, Tony Atzi. And we had a great time working for Charlie. My friends are chefs. I know a lot of the cooks, who all the older cooks. When I was there, the cooks now are famous chefs themselves. And we, you know, I have a very good relationship with him. I work with him. I left on good terms. We kept in touch. If he needed some sculpture, I made him some sculpture. When I got into the knife business, he was the most helpful to me in regards to promoting, you know, my brand. And he just was behind me. And he liked the fact that I was part of the family. And when he calls, when Charlie calls me, I'm there 100%. I've known him 20 years. I mean, he, he actually was at my wedding. He was at my wedding and he cooked at my wedding. Oh, there'll be pictures down the line. But yeah, Charlie's, he's a special person to me and I learned a lot from him and I learned about customer service from him and he gave me the best advice that I use today with knife making, which is he had had me help fill in for, not fill in, he had me take over a restaurant as the general manager and I'd never been a general manager before. I'd never been, I barely, I didn't even be a waiter. And he just gave me this pep talk. He just said, treat everybody in your who comes in the restaurant as if they're your family and you'll be fine. Treat them as if they were your family. You'll be fine. And that's always been something that's been very helpful to me when I think about customer service. Okay. So Charlie sent me a message. He says, I'm going to be doing this event. I have, I have, uh, uh, I'm, I'm involved with this building. I kind of maintain their, you know, this, uh, there's this building and they have like a 
giant kind of cafeteria, but it's like, it's a very, for lawyers and it's a big space and it's beautiful and it's like a high level thing. And he goes, one of the things we do is we do these amenities for the people in the building. And I started this, uh, you know, basically it's a kitchen basics, uh, you know, seminars. So people from the building can sign up and they come down and we usually have a little pass hors d'oeuvres and a glass of wine and then I'll go over kitchen stuff. And, and it's a great little event and I'd love you to come down. We'll do a, a thing on a knife skills. And I, you didn't, I said, you sold me. Whatever you want, Charlie. I, you, no problem. So we, we'd been thinking about it for a few months. And then one day I was thinking, I was like, you know what? I'm going to make a whole set of kitchen knives. I'm not going to just, what am I going to do? I'm going to bring some bangers that are lying around here. Why don't I make something specific so people can see the different varieties of knives and stuff like that? So I made a giant brisket knife and I made a boning knife and I made a, like a filet knife and I made a, I made an oyster knife and two different types of chef knives. And I made all this stuff, a fork and thing. And I put it in all in stabilized bourbon barrels and uh, handles and hit it, licked it with the torch, give it a little charred look. And I went down there and I met uh, first thing first is I met down at our office in the, in, in New York. Uh, I met with, with Tony where we had a meeting with a chef, a chef named Trevor Kunk. And we're going to be doing a ser- offset serrated knife for him. He's a big sandwich guy. So we're going to do a sandwich knife. Met with him. I drove down. Didn't really want to go on the train. You know, little, most of you, I don't know if you, many of you know, but I'm, I've always been a bit of a germaphobe. I would love it if we didn't have to shake hands. I uh, grew up in New York City, and I love taking the subway, but I hate grabbing. I hated grabbing on all the handles. I didn't like touching things other people's touched. It was just always just seemed it was greasy. All the all the subway car handles, the poles, all they all felt greasy, and it just always to me it was just like. That's not really, shouldn't really be greasy. And what's in that grease? And why is it greasy? And I, I became a germaphobe at a very young age. So I t- took the car down, drove down to the office in the seaport, met with Tony, hung out, looked at some stuff. And then Trevor came. We talked about the knife. I made, a, I made like a prototype, blah, blah, blah. I played with it and we talked and we went over everything. And this is... The beginnings, right when, this was on a Wednesday, right when Corona really started to be, you know, people really talking about it, talking about washing your hands, talking about social distancing, blah, blah, blah. So I wasn't thrilled. And then the whole time up leading up to that day, I'm thinking, all right, they're going to cancel this thing. They're going to cancel it. Please let them cancel. Charlie, cancel. Please cancel. And I remember back in my, you know, my memory that Charlie didn't cancel anything. He's, he's in it for the long haul. And he, you know, you got to like, you know, there needs to be uh, police need to shut him down. He don't, he, he's, he's fearless. He doesn't play and play. So we get down there and then we met, meet with Trevor, had a good time with him. He's a super guy. Uh, and we were kind of, kind of talking about what's going on in the world. And then we're talking about the knives. And then all of a sudden, you know, Tony's sorry, Jeff, we got to, we got to get up to, the, the, we got to get up to the building up by 42nd Street next to Oriole. That's where the that's where they are. And I said, all right, great. So we just hop in the car. He's like, ah, let's, let's just take the subway much faster. Okay, let's just take the subway. So we walked up to the one and the nine and got off at 42nd Street. And the whole time, my hands were in my pockets and I wasn't sitting and I wasn't grabbing anything. And I, there were, the subways were very, very light. Lately, I've been noticing that the subways have been very heavy. Uh, but the subway is very light. People don't want to go on the subway. So get up to 42nd street, think that we're going to get a phone call or a message saying that this has been canceled. 
no such luck for Jeffy. So I, uh, we got up, went upstairs. There's Charlie and his chef whites looking good. Lost a lot of weight over the past few years. Shaved off his mustache, looking good. Had a big smile on his face and he laughed. He's, hey, there's Vader. What the, look at you. You don't look like shit. You know, he, he likes to break my balls, which I, you know, I like. I wore a nice jacket. I had this slick uh, pocket, pocket uh, kerchief in my pocket. It was very colorful. And I liked it. I liked a little flare of color. I wanted him to see. Last time I saw him, I was wearing a flannel shirt. And it didn't look very good. And I wanted him to yeah, keep him on his toes. So I had a nice, sharp-looking blazer. I had a, I had a nice kerchief. Had like chevron colors. Looked great. Looked nice little splash of color. And he goes, Vader, look at you. What the hell is that in your pocket? What are you, a magician? Yes, thanks, Charlie. No, it's a, it's a little bit of flair. It's a little bit of color. Liven it up. So we, he, we didn't extend his hand. He extended me his elbow. He, this is what we're going to be doing now, Jeff. We're going to be, we're not going to be shaking hands. We got to keep our distance. Ah, ha, ha. And then he goes, hey, there's Tony. <laughs> he gives him the elbow too. So they had set up a nice, uh, I guess it's a, you know, a cart with a, you know, wooden block table and they set the chairs out and I'm having a nice conversation and they had Purell everywhere and the place was super clean. Charlie's always been, uh, you know, high-end restaurants are always very, very known for their cleanliness anyway. This was like a little extra clean. And, you know, we talked a little bit. He wasn't too worried. He's like, yeah, this will pass and blah, blah, blah. So then uh, I said, well, over the past few weeks, we've been talking and what should we, this should be about and what are we going to do and who's the leading, who's talking and the whole, every time we would kind of go back and forth, you know, his assistants and, and me, I'm like, ah, you know, which I know Charlie a while. It's only going to be a 45 minute thing. You know, well, you know, he, whatever he wants to say and I'm just here to bring the knives and I'll just kind of like sneak in when he needs me to say something. So I see him and I'm like, well, what do you want to do? And he's like, ah, you know, what do you, uh, what do you think? You know, what do you, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I don't know. It's, uh, you know, he's like, ah, we'll be all right. He's like, what do you, what do you think I should cut? And I'm like, I don't know. You want to get some carrots or some onions and whatever? And he's like, oh, okay. He's like, don't worry. I'll take care of everything. You know, you just kind of come in when, when I need you and we'll just, it'll be fine. So then people from the building came down they sat down and there was past wine and past hors d'oeuvres and I'm starting to get, you know, night, I'm, I'm, it's all, it's happening. You know, at first I'm I'm thinking it's not going to happen because I'm hoping it's not going to happen because social distancing. But other than that, it's fine. And I'm not worried about getting sick. I'm not worried about shaking hands. I'm washing my hands like a mental... My hands look super clean. I'm not too worried about it. Not too worried about it at all. Needless to say, people sat down. They were nervous. It's, 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 it's you know, things were getting kind of beefing up in the city. This is before Mayor de Blasio had kind of shut down all the arenas he hadn't he started to talk about it and they were starting to get prepared and the hospitals are starting to prepare and they're starting to talk and talk and talk and but nothing had been shut down so people were nervous on obviously I mean, you're living in new york there's a lot of people it's very you know nervous making especially you know considering how people get sick from the flu and all that so then charlie goes oh welcome and you know he started in trying to make everyone feel good make everyone feel confident make everyone feel like they're meant to be there and then uh he says he introduces me this is my friend you know jeff has been with me for 20 years he used to work for me and his, there's his partner tony tony used to be the executive chef at Oriole. these are my boys i i love seeing what they're doing and i support them blah, 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 blah. 
And then he goes, and without any further ado, here's Jeff. So that he, I was like, oh, I'm like, we didn't really kind of, I just thought you were going to start talking. And well, Charlie threw me right in, threw me under the bus and right in. So I just started talking about knives and where do you start with knife making? I mean, you know, just where do you start? So I just started talking about the kind of knives you can have. And I started talking about knife making and I started talking about heat treatment and what you should look for when you're buying knives and the difference between carbon steel and stainless steel and what makes what what and sharpening and and then I start to realize Charlie's just kind of like I can tell that he's like all right Fader can do this whole thing by himself and then I just realized you know fuck this I figured I'd throw him I'd throw him the ball because you, when in a conversation when you throw someone the ball they gotta catch there's no awkward silences there's 35 40 people there they're all expecting, you know, Charlie Palmer. Who's this guy with this fruity kerchief and, you know, blabbing on? So I said, well, what do you think, Charlie? And then all of a sudden, you know, Charlie hopped in. And then he showed about cutting and he different grips and he got an onion out. Here's how you cut an onion. And this is the reason why you leave the stock on. And that way it holds it all together and not all over the place and slicing. And this is that. And then we went back and forth. And then as we started to warm up, you could tell that people were kind of, you could tell that people were starting to be relaxed. They were starting to feel a little bit more, you know, they were with friends. He started telling jokes. I started telling jokes. He, you know, people would ask, and then the people started asking these great questions. What's the weirdest knife you ever made? And what's this? And what's that? And I started to tell the story about the, you know, the marijuana knife. And then Charlie remembered my story about this pig hunting knife. He's like, tell the story about the persuader. Tell the story about the pig hunting knife. I told that story and then all of a sudden it became everyone started to loosen up and Charlie was telling jokes and he started breaking my balls and I started breaking his balls and it was like it was a great feeling. It was a great feeling because we were having fun and I could tell that the people were not thinking about their their coronavirus, they're not thinking about, you know, COVID-19 or what's going to happen to their jobs and what's going to happen to their health care, what's going to happen to their kids when they have to go to when the schools get canceled. And they didn't think about that. They thought about having a good time. Charlie's breaking my balls. I'm, you know, Charlie, he's telling these funny stories and I'm telling the stories and people are asking for more stories. And we were just, we had a great time. So at the end of it, it was like, it went from me being like, I don't want to do this. I fucking Corona too. I started to not think about all the problems and I, I started to realize how, what a great experience it was to the point where everyone left. And then Charlie's standing at the table. We're still yammering on, and he's telling us, remembering stories about, you know, when we were dealing with this guy, when you look at that guy, when the fire department came, and the flood, and the this, and the, we're telling all these stories. And then he asked me to go to dinner with him and Tony. And Tony had to go home, and I was like, I'm not going to go. No, fine. I'm like, I'm like I don't to get home. I got to drive back home. But it was great. We had a great time. And it also made me really think that um, with this podcast is, you know, it's, it's important for us to kind of like be there together and to kind of just be there for each other and to try not to be, you know, try not to be crazy. This isn't going to be, this is going to be all right. We're going to be all, we're going to be all be, be all right. But it really being in the, involved with the restaurant business, it did, you know, take me, it, t it did make me think about the way things are going now in the restaurant business. And this will be the only thing I say to you, the knife maker, you, the restaurant business is going to be the first business that takes a huge economic beating from this, the pandemonium. And you'll say, oh, what's the big deal? It's just the flu. People get sick. But what's happening is, is with, especially in New York City, they're trying to 
prevent a lot of occupancy and social distancing, and they're limiting the amount of people coming to your restaurant. Mayor de Blasio said, if you have an occupancy of 100, that means you have to divide it in half and you can only have 50. People are already afraid and they're not going into public gatherings. And the first place they're not going to go is in the restaurants. So when, when I, like I said, I'm not an expert, but I am an expert on some of your questions. I get a lot of questions that come in from you young knife makers saying, how can I make more business? How can I make more business? How can I make more business? Well, I'm telling you how you can make more business. If you're making culinary knives, if you're making any knife, there are cooks out there, professional cooks, professional chefs, who are interested in your work. A lot of you guys make knives for chefs. I make knives for chefs. I make knives for cooks. Some of these cooks don't have a lot of money. They save up all their money. They get themselves a nice knife. They come to the kitchen. They're feeling slick with their new knife. These are the people that we need to support. Because they're the ones who are going to be hit first immediately. So what I want you to do is to say to yourself, I got to help the people in the restaurant business because I need them to keep going because I want them to buy my knives. This is how you do it. What you do is you speak up for these restaurants. You speak up for the local guys. You don't have to speak up for the big guys. Don't don't all hit, you know, Alain Ducasse and say, you know, I'm going to stick up for the big your local guys, your coffee shops, your your delis, your restaurants, the people that you know, the people that you're local to, because they know you. And you don't have to go to the restaurant. If you're like a germaphobe like me, you don't have to eat in the restaurant. You don't have to do any of that. But you could do other things. You can buy gift certificates. A lot of these restaurants have gift certificates for a rainy day. You can order in. There's a lot of, besides just the apps that, you know, do uh, delivery for these restaurants, you can go pick it up yourself. You can help these people because this is going to be the few, a month or two, you know, a bad, in the restaurant business, a bad week, a bad two weeks can be the, re, be the end of the restaurant business. Um, so what you need to do is you need to say to yourself, all right, I got to help these people because ultimately they're my customers too. And we're in this together. This is a symbiotic relationship. So you can eat there. You can go there. You can support them. And if you say to me, I don't have the money or the time to, I don't have the money to go out all the time and, you know, do all that. Well, you can be their PR department. Let me tell you one thing. Most of these restaurants are the worst at social media. The worst. I mean, really bad. I know some restaurant tours up here who hire these social media companies to run their Instagram pages. They are bad. I mean, we are talking bad. And I know most of you guys do a way better job than them. Most of you guys have way more followers than a lot of the local guys around here. So what you can do is you don't even have to spend a nickel. Why don't you just do a story about them? Let the people know that you're there. Let people know that they're serving. Most of the restaurants now had to adapt and say, look, we're doing these new cleaning processes. We're spending all this time making sure that you are safe and healthy, and we want to make sure that everyone's healthy and happy. We need to help these people. So post on your Instagram. Go help them, you know, help them that way. You don't even have to you can practice social distancing and help these people. So that's what I want you to know. I want you to know that if you're looking for someone, you're looking for customers, you're looking to how can I make things better, how can I make a difference in my local community, go out and post about your local restaurants. Because guess what? 
some of these mayors, some of these governors, some of these guys, they're they're not really worried about the restaurant business. But the restaurant business is the first reason what uh, the first economic uh, hardship is going to be in the restaurant business because I was in the restaurants by myself and I know what it was like. Actually, this past week, I spent some time going supporting my local businesses. So and I got some food from this guy. I got some food from this guy. I was talking. And I know these people. I know the bartender. The bartender asked, how's your kid? How, how was your surgery? I saw another waitress. Hey, what's going on with you? And I was talking to the chef. I went to my, I went to see my, my boy, uh, Mike Anastasio and his kitchen. He, they already cut back on staff. So there's a lot less people in the kitchen because they're bracing for the economic hardships that are coming up ahead. And they're trying to figure out things to do. They're going to work on delivery menus. They're going to work on anything. But what you can do to help and what you can do to help your people is to just post about them. Just be supportive. Let other people know that they're around. And there we are. And that's all I'm going to say. The only, In regards to this whole, whole coronavirus, all this nonsense, um, I mean, it's not nonsense, but you know what I'm saying. You don't, don't need to get crazy. I know. It's only the flu. We can sit back and sit in the woods and drink beer and nobody nobody's going to be, be... Everyone will be fine in two weeks. Except for... If everyone thinks that way and they don't go to the restaurant business, you're, you're going to come back and then all the restaurants are going to close down. That's what we don't want. So we want them to keep busy. So that's all I'm going to say about that. And let's get on with the show. So there we are. Let's get on to Knife Talk News. Knife Talk News. Well, what the fuck am I going to tell you? I'm not going to tell you that what is open and what is closed because I don't know. I got a lot of messages from people saying this event is closed or this event has been postponed and this show has been this and this show has been that and this school is this, that, the other thing. I am not going to tell you he's closed, he's open. He's closed, he's open. This is for this reason. Number one. We already got some, you know, some people weren't happy with us when we mentioned about the UK knife show. They, they apparently, apparently we, uh, we uh, are trying to be supportive, irritated somebody. Fine. We amended it and it's all over. But I don't know when this is going to be played. I don't know what's going to happen in the next few days nor weeks. So there's no point in me, you know, talking about it because we're all up in limbo and you know, you don't need me to be your, your you know, help wanted board or, you know, what's going on in the world? I don't know. So if you have a show coming up and you don't know, get a hold of those people. If there's a class coming up and you don't know if they're going to be having it or not, get a hold of those people. I know that for me personally, I was planning with uh, Tomer from Florentine Kitchen Knives. We were planning to do an event in, in August and we're going to put it on pause. We're going to make sure that it happens at some point. We're not canceling it yet, but we're going to just see how things go in the next couple of weeks. So what I would suggest to you is go reach out to the people that you're, you know, if you're planning on a going to a show or planning on going to a class, reach out to them and see what their plan is. Everyone's, you know, state of trying to figure these things out. And that's in the, the news is, I don't know. Do you like that? You like that? That's in the news. The news is, I don't know. Fucking craziness. All right. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? Where do you get your abrasive belts? I'll tell you where you should go. 
you should go to Combat Abrasives. They have belts and supplies and epoxies and all sorts of awesome things for your knife making. Go get yourself some shredder belts. Go, I love those shredder belts. They're awesome. They got all sorts of J-weight belts and all sorts of you know, uh, Scotch-Brite belts. Go to Combat Abrasives, and what you can do is you put in Knife Talk 15, and they will give you 15% off. And let me tell you something. 15% off will get you a lot, and it'll allow you to buy things maybe you wouldn't normally buy. P.S., their Scotch-Brite belts are very, very well-priced. You save all that 15% and go get yourself some Scotch-Brite belts. Try something new out. So go go help our boys at, at uh, Combat Abrasives. They need you like I need you, like you need yourself. Go get yourself some 15% off with Knife Talk 15. Thank you, Combat Abrasives. So this is the segment of the show called, Hey Man, Can I Ask You a Question? This is where you, the listener, send us your questions and we're going to try to answer them. But there is no we, it's just me. So I'm going to do the best I can and I might tell you to, you know, You've you've called the wrong number on this one. This might be a uh, this you might uh, I have no one to pass this one off to, so it's just my opinion, and I might not care. So that's that. So brace yourself for some bullshit. I'm just telling you right now. There's this. Hey man, can I ask you a question? Might be a lot of horseshit. So the first question comes from Rocco Handmade. I'm gonna try to make a flexible fillet knife from 1084, starting with 16th inch stock. Any tips for heat treating for flexibility? Cheers. Here's what I'm going to say. I love making flexible, more knives that are more flexible. And part of the flexibility, besides your heat treatment, is the thinness of the material and also the thickness from the the cutting edge to the spine. When I make my flexible flay knives, I generally use... um, stainless steel because for me uh a lot of times with with carbon i mean i don't i've never made a carbon steel fillet knife and that's just something i've never done uh but if i were to i'll tell you how i do my flexible uh fillet knives what i do with stainless steel is and i think we can probably make all the connections very similar i start off with 16th inch i do the profile and then i heat treat it full thickness and the reason why is because it's so thin when I'm plate quenching, I want to make sure that it doesn't it doesn't didn't get too warpy, didn't get too out of control because it gets you go more thin than the sixteenth, then you have problems. So one of the things about a fillet knife is from the edge to the spine, it's kind of like around uh, three quarters of an inch to an inch uh, in height. So that cross section is going to help you in regards to the you know be a little bit more flexible and i would assume that it would the same thing would be for when you're uh heat treating 1084 what i would do if i were making a 1084 flexible fillet knife was i would especially if you're heat treating with um with 1084 number one is i would for sure I would cut if you're if we're not talking about uh, forging and we're talking about stock removal. What I would do is I would cut it out and I would profile it and I would drill all my holes. I would if it's sixteenth, I might take a little bit of material off, but don't go past the thickness of a dime. I'm going with thickness of the dime. You're not going to get any millimeters out of me today, ladies and germs. I got to stop with that. So, profile it, drill it normalize it normalizing it kind of is going to chill it out a little bit it's also going to help you if your grinds are a little if your grinds are a little bit off and it, you as it comes out normalizing is 
you know, bringing it up at, uh, you know, higher, you know, different temperatures uh, de in decrease. And then that's going to help the grain structure. But it's also going to kind of you're going to see where some warps are. And then you can actually when you pull them out of the oven, like the first one, let's say uh, for 1084, I would do would be 1575 Fahrenheit. You ain't getting Celsius today, ladies and gentlemen. Ain't getting Celsius at all. I'm, I'm on my own here. There are no breaks. I can't pass it off to somebody. There's no me lying back like the Steve Schwartzer interview and letting somebody else take over. That ain't happening. It's just me today. So what I would do is if I'm going to normalize my knife, put it in the oven, 1575, and then five minutes and then pull it out. And while it's still warm, I got two pairs of tongs and I'm straightening it a little bit. If it starts to warp a hair, let it, let it cool down, put it back in another time for like at 1500 degrees or just uh, whatever, you know, just at critical temperature, pull it out, same thing. And by the third time, which is around, you know, I drop it down to 1400 degrees, it should be a lot more chilled out. So you should be, have a, have a much straighter uh, knife. Then when I heat treat, dunk it in the oil, count to whatever, you want to get it below 1500, you want to get it below 900 degrees when you're quenching it before, as the austenite, as the steel comes up to temperature and you have the critical temperature, the iron carbide's going to solution and then that's the austenite stage. Remember, ladies and germs, stop it with the germs. Austenite stage and then as you put it in the oil, then that turns the austenite into solution, that austenite solution it's turning the austenite into martensite, which is the crystal structure. And then you, you, you get it under 900 degrees. And then while it's still warm, you can pull it out, straighten it a little bit, and then temper, blah, blah, blah. And what will happen is just be careful when you're heat treating the 16th inch because it is, especially a long knife, like a, you know, fillet knives usually around like seven inches or so. It's going to be real whippy and you want to just have a handle on the warping. And then as you grind it down, and as you grind it down uh, to the final thickness, the, the because it's that three quarters of an inch from the cutting edge to the spine, it is going to be more whippy than uh, a chef's knife. So like if you look at you know a flexible chef's knife, it's flexible at the tip. That's because the the distance between the the cross section between the cutting edge and the spine is much thinner, right? You're not seeing bends by the heel, right? So the thinner you are, the smaller your uh, your cross section is between the cutting edge and the spine, you're going to have a better flexible clay knife. I would, <clears throat> pardon me, there's going to be a lot of that because there's nobody here to help me, guys. So I'm going to be clugging, I'm going to be glugging away. <clears throat> Fine. I'm wearing PPE, whoever said that the last time. Don't worry. It's just me here. So Rocco, I would make it happen. See what you, ha see what, you know, if you want to also, if you want to make sure it's flexible, you want to make sure that, you know, if you're tempering it, you might want to go a little bit higher than your normal. If you, some people temper at 350, the higher you temper, it's going to, you're going to get a little bit softer. You might want to 400. I usually temper at 400, two hours, two times. Maybe you want to bump it at the, look into it. I'm not telling you I know, but if you wanted the temper to be, make it a little bit softer and draw back some of that martensite, bump it to 450. I, I don't know. Give it a try. See what happens. So that's what I'm going to have to say. All right, Rocco, there we are. Cheers to you. Cheers to you. We're already 40, 37 minutes in and fine. We're getting there. We're getting there. The next question comes from Jack, Josh of all trades. When using epoxy dye, how do you keep it from absorbing into light-colored, unstabilized wood? Am I using too much dye, or is the light color I'm seeing because the wood is unstabilized? 
Thanks for the podcast. Love and appreciate what you guys do. Josh. Josh, my biggest collapse of a knife that I ended up having to do redo the handle four times was because I was using stabilized maple, stabilized curly maple, and I was using red uh, red dye in my epoxy. And what was happening was I had pins and I had Corby's. What happened was was the 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 red epoxy died. It just kind of seeped through around. You could even see it around where the Corby's were. It was kind of leaching out. It was them's the breaks. You got to be real careful, or you have to. What one thing I started to do on this particular build, I had to take them off. And I had too much bleeding, and there was too much red, and the red was coming through, and the red was coming through, and I re- cut it off three times. And then the fourth time for the file work, what I did was this. I'm going to show you. I'm going to tell you a little trick of what I did. I'm talking. I'm assuming you're talking about file work. Before my handle was done, before my handle was done, I was ready to put the scales on. I took my knife. It was all ready to go. It was ready for the handle. It was ready. Everything was. You know, the touch mark was etched in. I had the 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 uh, scratch pattern was perfect. Hand sanded, ready to go, ready for was ready for the handle. I took a little bit of fast uh, setting epoxy, five-minute epoxy, and I took some red dye, and I made a small batch of it, and I put it in the file work. I put it in the file work without any scales. So I just slathered on the file work the red epoxy, and then I let it dry. And then I cut away the sides. I, so I hit it on the sander, and then I just bumped that hard epoxy. So I had already pre-filled the file work with the red epoxy, and then it and it got hard. So then the file work is already taken care of. I'm not going to worry about wet epoxy seeping through because now I have a solid piece. The red epoxy's in. And then what I did was I I used regular epoxy, you know, clear epoxy to seal between the scales when I put on the knife. And that saved my ass. I'm telling you what, I was going out of my mind. What am I going to do? It's going to, every single time, the red epoxy is going to leak. So I figured it out. Do the epoxy on the scale, on the file work before, let it dry completely. And then when it's dry, use a razor blade and cut it flat or use a, put it on the grinder just to kind of like, you know, get it flat. But you got the, you got, you got the same effect. And then you're you're protecting your wood. So that's what I would do, Josh. It, I also there have been some you know some things I also I also try to stay away from like certain dyes I won't use with certain woods. And I actually used to have red dye and I had green dye and I oh no I have red I have you know blue dye and green dye and all these colors and some of them just don't work well. If you use yellow dye, get ready for some ugly looking flower. It'll look terrible. It looks terrible. It's dirty. Looks like wee wee. Not good. So I understand. That's what I would do. I would pre-fill, I would pre-epoxy up the file work before you put the scales on while they're hard, and then you're going to be good. That's what I would do, Josh. All right. Sorry. Here we are. The next question comes from Doll Sheep, at Doll Sheep. Hey, cutie, can I ask you a question? I'm starting to get into bladesmithing, and I live in an apartment, and I don't have any space where I can set up a workshop. Is there any way to start without having to move? Doll sheep, you kind of want your fucking cake and eat it. Isn't that the expression? You want your have your cake and eat it too? There has to be, you know, I'll, here's what I would do. Here's what I would do. 
If you're talking about bladesmithing, if you want to start forging, you got to find another space because you can't forge in your house. It's impossible. Your, your neighbors are going to kill you. Your landlord's going to kill you. It's not going to happen. People are going to irritate it with you. It's not going to happen. So either you can find someone who you can do all your forging with, or what you could do is you find someone with a blacksmith shop and you say, hey, can I come to your shop? Here's some money. Can I forge, do all the forging and, uh, for a week and have, you know, knock out 10 knives or whatever, and then, you know, do all the, uh, everything else at home. That's one thing. But if you're talking about like just stock removal, you gotta be, you know, you could, there are videos out there of guys using minimal tools to stock removal a knife, like even without a grinder. I know Aaron Goff, I say his name all the time, Michael Trolsky, they have videos on using files to cut their bevels and stuff like that. But the forging, I mean, you just, you're not getting away from, I mean, I had a house and I had a garage. I stopped forging in my garage just because I didn't want my neighbors to just say anything. I just didn't want them to come over and just, I didn't want to come over and say hello. I didn't even want them to come over and say, what are you doing? It was really like, just leave me alone. Social distancing. So what I would suggest is um, you can do stock removal knives at home. You might have to, if you say, well, what about the heat treating? There are companies that will heat treat your knives for you. Um, you that you can do. A lot of the knife making, the finishing, the hand sanding, the grinding is something that you could do in your home. A lot of people kind of figure out ways in which to do it in their in their garage, and then they get uh, things heat treated uh, abroad. You know, some place will you know there are companies that will heat treat for you if you don't get an even heat. I will say this: even heat kilns are very very cool to the touch. I'm always surprised at how easy they are to use and i would feel very comfortable using an even heat kiln in my house um they're like i said it's not raging hot they're the way they're insulated i i had my even heat in my shed <clears throat> i was never worried about at one point i had a customer come over he didn't realize i was heat treating he put his coffee on top of the heat treating oven i didn't even realize it it didn't burn didn't even nothing ha- it basically warmed his coffee it was like, this is, you could do the heat treating in your home. I wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest it. I mean, obviously, your insurance might not be thrilled. It, it, you're getting steel up to, you know, 1,500 degrees in your apartment next to your fucking toaster oven. And, you know, your wife might, or your girlfriend or your boyfriend or whoever the hell you are, they might not be thrilled. You know, it's scary, but, you know, it can be done within reason. Um, and that leads me into another one of our sponsors. You can use KnifePrint. KnifePrint.com is our sponsor. It's a great website. And we had an awesome time with the hashtag KnifeTalkBA. That's something that Craig had figured out. He was a, it was a Knife Talk build along. We use KnifePrint.com. It's a website. You don't have to download anything. You can use their templates. They'll design, you can design your knife on a, like a kind of basically a CAD program without having to download anything. And what you can do is you can sign up for their pro service and um, you can actually have them, you can do the drawing in your home on the computer, then send it to them and then they will cut it out for you. They'll cut the steel out for you or there are other places, maybe if it's there, I don't know where the hell they are in Europe, but they also work with different companies in the United States and you can actually have your knives cut out for, for 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 them so go to knifeprint.com check it out it's a very very easy you know it's not like you don't have to know a ton of math to do it it's not it's very intuitive 
It's a very intuitive programming. They're great. They've been really good to us. And a lot of our, actually, a lot of our listeners who have never used CAD programs before, 2D printing, have used it and they've had great results. And I think some people are actually using it to make their production knives. So go to knifeprint.com and then you can do it at home. And then you don't even have any grind. You don't have a lot of grinding in your home. Doll sheep, go to knifeprint.com, design yourself a knife and have them send it to you. And then you, do a little bit of hand sanding here, grind over here, and then shoot it off to, you know, some heat treating company and then send it back and bingo, bango, bongo, slap some scales on it in your business. There you go. Knifeprint.com. The next question comes from Baker, Forge, and Tool. I've been messing around with forced patinas and getting some very Hamon-like looks on the blade. Obviously, they aren't real, but I wanted to know y'all's opinion on the industry's perception of this kind of work. Is it looked down upon because it isn't real, It's, but it looks real, but it isn't, even, even if I don't claim to be real Hamones. Love the podcast. Keep up the great work. This is something we talk about a lot. You got to do your thing. You got to do your thing. I'm, I think it's a great question. I personally like um, forced patinas. I learned how to do the mustard patina nicely from uh, Boot Hill Blades, Jared Thatcher, Kentucky Stooge. Shout out to Kentucky Stooge. And I fine-tuned it with Tomer Botner over at Florentine Kitchen Knives. Those guys kind of like got me on the bo- on board, and I like my results with Force Patina. I'll tell you a funny story. I posted a picture of my um, uh, this giant eleven and a three quarter inch chef's knife with a Damascus knife that I made with uh, my buddy uh, Bob Rankin Steel. Looked awesome. I was ready to post another one. I thought about posting this one about with uh, with the Force Patina, and I thought I don't want people to be confused because it looks just like. Damascus. To an untrained eye, people think it's Damascus. So I was very conscious of that. And what I would say is the industry standard is to not lie. <laughs> the industry standard is to say, don't say it's a hamon when it's not. You're going to have some guy who's going to say, well, that's not a real hamon. Or you're going to have some guys to say, oh, he didn't really even use Satanite. He just used whatever, you know, fucking furnace cement. You want to be honest. You want to don't worry. You're not going to make everyone happy, but you won't make people think you're a shithead if you if you tell the truth. If you tell the truth, you tell them the truth. If someone doesn't like it. It's their preference. It's their preference. Fine. I say do it. I say if you wanted to make it look a certain way, as long as you're telling people and as long as you're not saying you're not referring to it as a hamon. I mean, there's certain. It gets to the point where, you know, how far we go. I mean, honestly, honestly, I mean, what do we have to do? Grow the trees from seeds to make the wood for the handles? What, what, what do we have to do? Like nurture the sheep to get their horns for the thing? I mean, what do we got to do here? So uh, my opinion is the industry standard is who cares? Fuck the industry. St- the industry's not buying your knives either. The industry is certainly not buying your knives, Baker, Forge, and Tool. The industry is, you know, they're doing, they're worried about themselves. So what I would suggest is if you like it and it looks great and you think it looks great, then do it. But just make sure that you're very clear and don't worry about what other people think. Everyone's worried about their fucking, you know, they're worried about the coronavirus right now. They're worried about your fucking, your mustard patina hormones. I'm with you. Do it. I say do it. Next question comes from Diego La Pen. Hey there, cuties. I work in a metal shop, and I was wondering if cooling fluid used in a bandsaw or other cutting machines would be 
good as recycled quenching media? Or is it too, in quotes, weak? Are there viable and cheaper options to industrial quenching oils? I use canola oil at the moment, but I fear it's not good enough. Cheers. So, Diego, here's what I think. And I did some research on this one because I, I wanted to come in right. I wanted to come in right. The answer is all steels need to be cooled and quenched at a specific rate. And the oil is about the viscosity. All oils different. I'm shocked at how different all the oils are. This is like a little bit. Some, some are flat, fast quenching. Some are slow quenching. So instead of just me telling you this, what I thought was I would do a little bit of research about the standard oil that a lot of people use. Some of you don't. Fine. I'm talking about the stuff that I use. And when you say it to a lot of knife makers, they know what you're talking about. Parks 50 and Parks AAA. So what I did was... I went to, and these are not a sponsors, but guess what? We're in fucking crazy times here. So we're going to, some of the, some of the, you know, some of the restrictions are going to be cut loose. I went to usanifemaker.com, which is a good resource. And they sell gallons and five gallons of Parks 50 and Parks AAA. And here's, here's what they say about Parks 50, which is the standard. Parks 50 is considered a fast oil. This is, I'm reading what they wrote. So don't start to, don't nitpick me, okay? People, relax. Parks 50 is considered a fast oil. Many times a quench oil is described in seconds quenching using a nickel ball test. The nickel ball quench time is seven to nine seconds. Typical steels to use with this quench oil formula include W1, W2, 1095, and many other steels using fast speed. There is no hard and fast definition to fast or medium, uh, but it will be appropriate quenching oil. The working range of Parks 50 is 50 degrees up to 120 degrees. That's the working range they want you to use the Parks 50. So there's all sorts of people who, who sell it. Um, you can buy it in the gallon. A gallon of Parks 50 is like $56 before tax, uh, before shipping. Uh, I think that's a very reasonable price. I mean, if you think about it, if you're making something and you're charging whatever you're charging for, uh, you want to make sure that the heat treatment is good. I know a lot of people use canola oil, but it's you don't have to buy five gallons. You don't have to have it on a crate. You don't have to have it with a shipping company. They won't send it on a pallet. They'll put a you know a gallon of Parks 50 in a, in a box and send it to you. 56 bucks plus shipping, it's worth it. It'll last a long time. But one of the things is the working range is you don't want to quench past 120 degrees for Parks 50. That's what USA Knife Makers is. Parks AAA, and this is back to them, is a, considered a medium to medium fast oil. Many times a quench oil is described as, okay, ball, nickel ball test. The nickel ball test quench time is 9 to 11 seconds. Typical steels to use with this quench oil include... 01, 5160, 1080, 1084, and many other steels using medium speed. Um, this is appropriate quench oil um, for you. That's this is the this is the stuff you want to warm up to uh, to uh, 120 degrees. You want it to be on the warmer side. So a gallon of of Parks AAA is forty three dollars. One plus shipping is still pretty reasonable. You don't have to buy a pile of it. One gallon is really, you know, for if you're quenching a few knives, especially if, right, stay away from, don't use the fucking cutting fluid because that's not really oil. 
That's not really oil. And obviously, it's about the rate at which the steel, the specific steel, cools down. And it has to do with the viscosity of the oil. It has to do with the temperature of the oil. I've broken knives because the temperature of the oil was too low, was too cold. Um, I'm not going to debate it. I'm going to tell you, these are the things that are trusted and working. I've been using I've been using Parks AAA for 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 quenching steel. I've been using Parks 50. They both work great. I'm glad they sell them in one gallon buckets. Stop it with the nonsense. Don't try to reinvent the wheel. I mean, you know, clever is clever, but you know, at the same time, it's like, you know, go do a little research. USA Knife Maker has great information in regards to the kinds of oil you should be using for the types of steel, and that's what I would do. So there you go. You know what you should do in that regards? You should get yourself a Clarix grinder. It's a Bulgarian company. Clarix, they got the BG Pro version 2 belt grinder. It's a complete package. It includes a six-way rotatable work rest, a platen, and a VFD. The entire thing is a cast aluminum. It's got forward and reverse in that VFD and a wide selection of contact wheels, rotary platens, and large attachments available. Go to clericsmetalworks.com. Get yourself a grinder. Why not? I mean, hell, they're great. And they've been a great sponsor to us. Thank you, Clarics. And give them hell, Bulgaria. I hope everything's well with you. I appreciate your service and your, your, your company, especially in your EU. You're in the EU. You want to get yourself some, you want to get yourself a grinder. Go get yourself a Clarix Metalworks BG Pro. This is the part of the show you know what you should do? We started with you and what you should do is because I get, and you probably get, tips. Well, you know, why did you do that? You know what you should do. You know what you should do. We call it you know what you should do, and this is the viewer tips. These are the tips that we think you should listen to. Fine. The first tip comes from my buddy Eric, Racer Racks, and he said, I like that tip about making wood blanks for kids to be able to start learning stock removal techniques. My daughter has always wanted to try whatever I'm up to. Copper rods, wire, tube are great materials for kids to get their hammer on. With something more significant than clay, hard oil-based clays are great too. Um, The copper and all this stuff can be annealed, and it's a little bit lighter. Aluminum and copper can be annealed. They can be a little bit lighter, and you can hold the material for them, instruct them on how to where to hit, and then they can use two hands on the hammer and, and, and if they need to. So... Thanks for the shout-outs, and thank you for the show. Eric, I'm with you, my buddy. And I say that with the... I'm saying I'm with you in this regards. I'm saying that not to leave me alone, but I am with you. I I agree with you in this situation. So, yeah. So, whatever you can do to get your kids interested, I love the idea of the wood. That's When I was a kid, all I wanted to have... My dad taught me to use a bandsaw, and I just, like, at 13, 12, 11, 10, I was, like, in the shop making wooden swords teach these kids with the stuff that you feel safe with you know even spoke shaves so i'll tell you what i you get yourself a you get your kid a spoke shaves because some spoke shaves is like a it's like a plane that's a wooden plane with two handles they can't hurt themselves because they're holding the handles and they're the planes away from them and they can actually and i'm making a mess with the ground using grinders you don't have to worry about the ppe with you don't have to have you don't have them with the right angle grinder we'll blasting off some puffs of 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 wood dust everywhere and you all you just do is they sweep up all the all the all the the shavings get yourself a kid of spoke shaves different than a draw knife that's what i'm used to make my lures with the spoke shaves get your kids interested i'm with you eric 
We're getting there, but babies. Babies. We're getting there, you fucking weirdos. All right. Well, that got weirder all of a sudden. I told you. It's all me. There's no editing in this one. This episode, none, Craig. No need to edit. The next tip comes from Sheep Scott Forge. Hey, man, you know what you should do? You should keep up the good work. I fucking love this podcast. I look forward to it each week, and my life would be incomplete without it. Thank you so much. And then he's throwing it. Thank you, Sheep Scott. And he threw in a question, a cheeky question. He said, just a quick question. I want your take. If you had to F someone, marry someone, or kill someone, in the and kill someone in the knife-making blacksmithing community, who would you choose? So you're asking me to make a decision about who I'd have a physically romantic relationship with, who I'd marry, and who I'd kill. Well, let me think about it for a second. The answer is none of you. I'm against these these fantastic questions there's too much fantasy in our lives we have too many of these crazy things and what do you think i'm going to do i'm going to call people out that i'd like to have a very romantic intimate relationship with them i'm not doing that i have been married for 25 years i've been with my wife for 25 years i'm perfectly happy at home i fine i'm not much more to say i'm not gonna i don't like these questions who you'd i mean it's fine i i'm glad you asked it sheep sheep i certainly would i certainly would think about it i don't know i you know what i don't even like none of you because you know why social distancing i'm staying the hell away from all of you motherfuckers and there's not going to be a chance for there to be any romance marriage or murder so you're all lucky and that's my answer my answer is none of you social distancing fuck you all so with that said what do you do for sandpaper? What do you do for sandpaper? I'll tell you what I do. I get the Rhino Wet from Indasa USA. I get the Red Line. That is some high-level sandpaper for metalwork. It's meant for metalwork. Not all sandpaper is created the same. There's a lot of stuff you 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 can get, and it's fine, but it ain't great. You want great. You want something that's going to make your life easier. You want something that's going to make you more efficient. And Redline, Rhino Wet Redline is the stuff for you. Go get yourself some Rhino Wet Redline <clears throat> over at Texas Farrier Supply. And if you put in Knife Talk 10, they're going to give you 10% off on your, on your order. So it, what I would suggest is if you don't believe me, just go get yourself a pack of 220, 220 grit. That's the stuff I love. I love the, the 220 grit is the foundational stuff for fan sanding. You can get uh 180. They have other, they have coarser stuff you put on your, put on your uh, disc grinder or whatever. You do your hand sanding, start off with the 220 and see what you think. Get yourself some Rhino Wet from DOS USA. And let me tell you something else. Here's where we're going. Rhino Wet also makes very high grit sandpaper. Make a thousand grit. They make 1,500 grit, and they make 2,000 grit. At 2,000 grit is soft, super soft. It's, it is it is excellent. Excellent for a lot of things. And one of those things is very current. I know some of you were saying, I went to the store today, and there's no toilet paper. I went to the store today, and there's no toilet paper. Now what am I going to do? Let me tell you what you're going to do. You're going to go get yourself some some of that 
soft 220. Uh, that's don't use a 220. God forbid. You get yourself some of that 2,000 grit, one fi- a 1,500 grit, and you stick a couple sheets by the old porcelain throne. And when you know you're dropping off that three pound rounder into the toilet, you get yourself a piece of that 2,500 grit, and you give your old backside the satin finish. You're going to be in business. No J-hooks. You're going to be clean as a whistle. And nobody's going to know the difference. Don't tell your friends this is a knife-making thing. So just keep yourself, keep this rhino wet to yourself. Get yourself some fine-ass, fine-ass rhino wet for your fine-ass. <laughs> and don't flush it because there's going to be problems on the way. Go to, thank you, Indasi USA. Love the rhino wet. Especially love that two. 2,500. Woo! That's an easy living right there. Go to Texas Farrier Supply, Knife Talk 10, get yourself whatever you need for your satin finish and, you know, personal hygiene. So, there we are. And then that leads us to our beefs. This is the beef segment. Where's the beef? That's where Craig puts in the where's the beef segment. So I'm going to tell a story of, I had a beef before, and I, I might have mentioned that I might have been arrested. I had an uh, altercation with a police officer not too long ago, but I'll save that for another day. I have an immediate, I have an immediate beef. So a couple days ago, I was, I was promoting some of my local businesses, and one of them was my favorite coffee shop. The Peekskill Coffee House. Shout out to Sonny Cover, my buddy from a long time. I've known her since she started the business. I'm a fan. They're awesome. I love the Peekskill Coffee House. I said to my, my daughter, I'm like, all right, I just posted about all these companies. I better start showing up. So it's like, see, all of a sudden, I'm the fucking mayor of Peekskill. So I said to my daughter, didn't have school. I said, well, let's go get some coffee. You want to come with me to the coffee house? She said, yeah, let's go. So I'm like, I got the Purell in the, in the, I get the Purell in the, in the cup holder. I'm like, all right, I'll go in. She's like, no, I'll come with you. I'm like, all right, well, all right. So we go in and there's a line to get coffee. And I think to myself, when I sit on my daughter, I'm like, what do you want? She's like, eh, I'll have a, I'll have a, she likes a, she likes a skim latte or no, we get some lattes, whatever. It doesn't matter. So we're waiting in line <clears throat> and everyone knows now we're in the beginning stages of here's how you behave. And this is social distancing and let's prevent, t- don't touch your face. Don't touch your face. Don't, don't, touch everything so there's this guy three people ahead of me with a stupid fucking haircut it, i don't explain this god and if it wasn't for this guy the haircut would be fine but he annoyed the shit out of me i was fucking irritated and he's standing there with a stupid haircut it was he's shaved all the way around except for he had like this swath of hair on the top he wasn't balding it was just like it just looked stupid I mean, his, he had buddy holly glasses on he looked like you know he had tight jeans on it annoyed me and he had work boots on which annoyed me and he just the whole thing he just annoyed me it annoyed the shit out of me for this reason he's standing in line waiting and at the coffee house they have a glass you know whatever display case with all the little various treats and on top of the display case are baskets with prepackaged food that have, you know, packaged food. And they're, you know, this is a coffee house, so they appreciate people's gluten freedom and their veganism, and fine, I'm with you. So they had a couple baskets filled with prepackaged vegan cookies. And this guy, I'm talking to my kid, and I just, out of the corner of my eye, I notice he grabs a 
vegan cookie. And he brings it up to his eyes and reads the instruction, uh, the ingredients and just decides, uh, all right, well, I'll put that back. And I start to get furious. Why are you putting it back? If you grab it, it's a, what are you doing? And then he reaches over and grabs a different flavor of the vegan cookie and he brings that up to read the ingredients. And all of a sudden, I'm fucking furious because then he put that one back. So he picked up two prepackaged cookies with his who knows, who knows where his hands were, who knows, who knows at all. He read it, he put it back. Then he picked up the other flavor, looked at it, and put it back. It's a vegan cookie. Both of them are going to be terrible. I've had vegan cookies, and I'm always optimistic that maybe this one will be good, and they aren't. They aren't going to be good. But you don't have to look and pick up both of them to decide in this situation where we're trying to keep each other healthy, and then he's talking to the, and they, the, God bless the, the Peekskill Coffeehouse, they had a new plan, and they had one person working the register, and one person is the barista, and they all had gloves, and they were taking the gloves off, and putting new gloves back on, and one person, they were, there was a limited amount, they were very, they had a protocol in place, talking about how limiting the amount of service there was, they were doing everything, they had to wiping everything down, and it was like a, it was a it was a real clean situation. They were pro- proving to us that they want to keep us safe. And then the guy starts talking to the register guy about, oh, this coronavirus is crazy, and well, what do we, I mean, people are worried about their you know their health. It's just, and I'm like fucking losing my mind because I watched this fucking germ bag pick up vegan cookie of all the things to pick up. Why would you pick up the vegan cookies and why would you compare them? Because you know they're going to be bad. And the funny thing was, is my daughter is standing next to me. She sees me. I said, did you see that schmuck? You see that schmuck with the stupid haircut? And she goes, would you shut the fuck up? She, my kid was like, would you shut up? Would you shut up, please? You're, you're, you're getting crazy. I'm like, I'm getting crazy because this, gah, this fucking vegan cookie, who cares? You either get it or you don't get it. You don't need to pick up and compare and contrast the different ingredients. And she's like, would you kind of, she, so she just turns to me, she goes, you kind of hold it together. And I'm like, well, it's just the principle of it all. I don't want to even be here. I don't want this goddamn coffee because I'm fucking germaphobic. So then we go order and all right, I like a, I wanted a hot one. She wanted a cold one. And all of a sudden I'm standing there and I'm cursing. I'm, I'm burning holes in this fucking doofus's back. Just take the goddamn cookies. And, I, and that's the other thing. You start to think to yourself, you should say something. I'm going to be that guy. Hey, man, why don't you not pick up another one? And why don't you take those now? That would be great. That's what's going to happen next. Unreasonable people, and I was almost one of those unreasonable people, was going to start a fight or an argument or a disagreement or a commotion or an incident with some guy because he picked up some vegan cookies and put them back. Can't really have that. So I really kind of had to like, Stopped for a second. The blood cleared from my eyes. And my daughter, who was kicking me incessantly, I was like, I just want these guys to do well. I don't want to pass this thing on. I'm just trying to follow orders. And these people need to know that they shouldn't. And maybe I should tell Sonny to take those baskets down. And I was like, would you shut the fuck up? She just looks sick of it. She's like, would you please leave it alone? Just leave it alone. Get it. Let's get the fuck out of here. So give us the coffee. Go outside. I'm all mad. I'm trying to support this business. I'm mad at this guy. I looked down. They gave me their own coffee. 
Well, guess who's drinking the coffee? I'm drinking it. I drank it. They gave us two iced coffees, and I didn't want an iced coffee. But the the fun, I started laughing because I said, ah, I'll, after all that, me being supportive, they gave me the wrong fucking coffee. Well, I fucking drank it. I drank it, and it was fine. It was delicious. And I was happy to be supportive, and I was happy to rah-rah, and they were all, you know, blah, blah, blah. But that was my beef. The beef, honestly, my daughter's beef would be me because she would have thought that I'd be completely unnecessary, which is how it normally goes with me. Unnecessary, but there we are. So with that said, I'm going to go into our new favorite bit. This is the time where, where Craig puts in the beautiful harp music puts in the beautiful heart music and what is our dream ah, what is our dream for the week well i'm looking forward to this possibly being over i'm looking forward to wherever you are in the world i'm looking forward to this being something that was blown out of proportion i'm looking forward to this being on the mend i'm looking forward to this being not as bad as people say it is going to be i'm looking forward to us all going back to work i'm all looking forward to the kids going back to school i'm looking forward to life trying to get back to where it should be the economy where it should be people's businesses safety health happiness i'm looking forward to that that's my dream my dream is i want you all to hopefully not be nervous not be worried. I want you to think about, I want you to be positive. I want you to help each other. I want you to help the people who need you the most. There's going to be a lot of people. I just spent some time with my mother when it took her to the grocery store, got her squared away, uh, got her, you know, I worried about her. I want to, I don't want to have to worry about her anymore. I don't want to have to worry about, you know, what's going to happen with the hospitals. I'm looking forward to a very peaceful and optimistic transition in this very uncertain time. And I want you to guys to know something. I love this podcast because of you guys. I love this podcast because Craig and Marek are amazing. It's that we had a great chemistry. We're all different. And that's the best part. We all, you know, chip in and thick jokes here and laughing there. And, you know, Ben Jammin' Cocker once in a while. It's, I'm, I'm, that's the real dream. real dream is we get another Ben Jammin' Cocker at some point. Oh, my God. We never even covered that one. Please, that's my dream. Fuck the coronavirus. Get the coronavirus. I don't give a shit about the coronavirus. Please, please. I'm praying. I'm praying right now. My dream. Uh, re Craig, redo the dream. Redo the dream music. Here's the dream. My dream is that we have, we mispronounce someone's name and it's as good, if not better, than J Ben Jam and Cocker. You got to listen to the Ben Jam and Cocker episode. I've never laughed that hard in my life, and I hope you do too. So with that said, that's the show. Thank you for joining us. I'm completely with you, but, you know, social distancing, kind of not really with you. And I hope you have a great time. We're going to get this thing squared away. We're going to get onward. We're going to try to do more things. This might come up a little bit more frequently now that we're, you know, whatever. And um, thank you for everything. Go on to iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to us and leave us a good review. It helps us. It helps us very much. And helping us helps you. So keep keep washing your hands. Keep washing your hands. 20 seconds, everybody. And use some soap and common sense and don't be crazy. And, and uh, we'll be back. All right. Uh, fantastic. You're the best. Bye-bye.
When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.